listening to Everyday Engineering, the City of Madison's engineering podcast where we talk about infrastructure, complex topics explained simply, from the water that flows down your drain to the rain and snow that drains into the lakes, by way the curbs and streets we design. City Engineering touches your life in so many ways, explained right now in Everyday Engineering. A lot of residents want the feeling of soft water, right? That silky hair out of the shower feeling, which is possible with salt. However, have you ever thought of how much damage you're doing thanks to the amount of salt you're putting into your water softener? A question we'll dissect in this podcast episode. My name is Hannah Molinitsky, City of Madison Engineering Division Public Information Officer. Today I'm joined by the Sustainability and Development Coordinator for Wisconsin SaltWise, Allison Madison, and Water Resource Engineer for the Engineering Division, Phil Gabler. All of us are masked, so at the moment, because of the pandemic, which may be why we're a little bit muffled as you listen to this, but a big welcome to both of you for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for being here. Uh, let's first things first. Can you both share your role with SALT before we get started into the water softener conversation? Allison, kick us off with what you do as part of Wisconsin SALTWISE. Thanks, Hannah. And so I work to coordinate the training program for winter SALT. So that's been running through the city of Madison, and SALTWISE has been working to expand that throughout the state. And I also work on developing different outreach program- programming like Wisconsin Salt Awareness Week, which was just earlier in January. Work on the website, social media, coordinate with volunteers, whole variety of things. Phil? I'd say Allison does a bit more than that also. She's kind of the <laughs> the hub of SaltWise because we're a lot of different departments and a lot of different agencies that are all trying to reduce salt use. And it's great to have a person that is at the center of that and can help to coordinate those efforts. Uh, so at the City of Madison, I try to bring the SaltWise message to each of our departments sure. and then encourage the certification program and overall try to reduce our salt use, which has a small component in water softeners. Yeah. I think the, we have done episodes about the certification program. We've done episodes, podcast episodes about you know the impacts of salt. Today we're focusing on water softeners. Um, Let's talk about hard water, soft water, because at the end of the day, when we're at home, that's what people are trying to accomplish. They, they don't want the hard water or they want more soft water. What does that even mean? Talk us through that. Um, I guess share the difference between the both and how they apply to water softeners. Sure. I can start out with that. So hard water means it's water that has magnesium and calcium ions in it. Those ions actually come out of the groundwater from magnesium and calcium in the rock. So magnesium, calcium, and carbonate is our dolomitic limestone, which is the aquifer, the rock that the aquifer is in. Um, And so when we pull that water up, it has those ions in it, and it leads to that scale because the calcium and magnesium bond with carbonate again in our pipes. Maybe you see that on the, you know, edge of your fixtures. Maybe it's in your teapot doesn't look so pleasant, don't really want it on your hair. And so we use ion-based, um, ion exchange-based softeners to remove that magnesium and calcium and replace it with sodium, which allows our soaps to lather up the way that we like and leaving our hair, like you said, kind of nice and silky. Yep. And just to add a little bit to that, back in the day, right, before water softeners, people used to actually capture rainwater and uh, sometimes even melt snow so that they could have 
soft water because rainwater is soft because it hasn't set in the rocks. Huh. And, you know, you're like, that is a lot of effort <laughs> to <laughs> make sure that your clothes wash with a little less soap. But I think it was just a, a different time when people didn't have another option. And so you put a lot of work towards it. Water softeners let us be a little bit lazy. But as with all good things, right, if it lets you be lazy, sometimes you maybe overuse it or aren't quite as careful with the the impacts of that uh, that nice benefit to your life. Right, right. And that's what we're trying to do here. We're, we're taking that actual, you know, the, the magnesium and the, you know, that science part of it and trying to make it understandable, which some things of, you know, the topics on our podcast, we, we can get away from that. But this, we have to talk about the science because that's exactly what this is kind of centered around today. So we will do our best to explain that and make it applicable, just like what you were saying, Phil, and just like what you were saying, Allison. And Hannah, I am a former chemistry teacher, so rein me in if I get a little too crazy with the ions. Yes, that's, that's good, though, because it, it, it just because um, it is a little more sciencey doesn't mean that we can't try to figure this out and understand it, because in the end, it'll benefit our environment. What exactly is water softening, and why is it that we want soft water? We kind of touched on the why, but what exactly is water softening can we just like build on that just a little bit more i'll, I'll take a shot at this and then we can have the, <laughs> the chemistry teacher correct me yeah. uh so no pressure you know in, in your water softener system right you have a, a tank that has these little resin balls in it and they look like little plastic bbs and those can scavenge and strip all of that magnesium and calcium out of the water as it flows through it but then, you know, it's kind of like your air filter. It gets full. But you can't just take the filter out and throw it away. You have to recharge it. And so you do that by taking this brine solution, which is usually salt water. So you take the really high concentrated salt water, and you flush it through that resin, and it strips all of the calcium and the magnesium that has attached to those little balls, puts them into the sanitary sewer, along with a bunch of chloride, and then the sodium sticks to those resin balls, and the process is ready to start again, and you can run your hard water through and take the calcium and magnesium out. How did he do? He did pretty darn well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the only thing that sure. I would add to that would be those resin beads. Are, imagine them kind of like little magnets. They are magnets for the calcium and the magnesium and the sodium. And so we can continue to recharge and reuse them. Like Phil said, kind of like an air filter that you can keep kind of vacuuming off the lint and then using it again. But it's that recharge process that uses all the salt that you take and you dump into your softener. Okay. And if we use that same air filter analogy, right, you could, as a homeowner, switch out your air filter on your furnace every week, right? And you would look back at your year and you'd be like, wow, I use 52 air filters. That was a fair amount of money. We do the same thing in our old school water softeners where we have a timer. We're like, well, I don't know when it's getting clogged. I don't know how dirty the water is, right? How hard the water is. So I'll just have it recharged, which is essentially changing the air filter every day, every week. You, know, you, can, you can set it to do whatever you want because it's just a timer. And there's, that wastes a lot of salt just like it wastes a lot of air filters if you did that on your, air on your uh, furnace. Sure. Okay. So what is the impact? Like when we use our water softeners, what is the impact to the environment? Where does it go? So the primary impact that we're concerned about right now in the city of Madison and a lot of areas around Wisconsin is the sodium chloride, the salt that you put in your softener that, as Phil said, gets flushed with that calcium and magnesium 
that do belong in the water, but the sodium and chloride don't. So those ions, once we put them in the water, they are there to stay. And all the salt from our softeners goes to the wastewater treatment plant, and they're unable to remove those ions from the water. So they end up being flushed or discharged into our freshwater streams. So in effect, all the salt that you put into your softener goes unfiltered into our freshwater. Hmm. Now, someone who looks at the chain of lakes in Madison, right? The Lake Medota, Monona, Wabiza, Kaganza, they're not impacted by the water softeners nearly as much as the water bodies downstream. Because of the way our system flows, we route our wastewater treatment plant effluent, right? The treated water goes into Badfish Creek and then, then matches up with the Yahara River, meets up with the Yahara River south of Stoughton. So you look at all of the chloride that we see accumulating in our lakes, and that's almost all road salt. Hmm. But if you look at the amount of salt that goes to the wastewater treatment plant, 93% of it is water softeners. Hmm. And it has a huge impact downstream. Sure. And when I hear 93%, that sounds like, yeah, that's a problem. You know, that's something that we need to work on. Um, For somebody who does not care about their salt use, why should they care about this? I mean, is it that big of a problem? I hear 93%. It sounds like, holy cow, you know, that, that, that's really uh, making an impact on what we're using in our homes. But can you kind of quantify and make someone who's listening to this care about their salt use? Sure. You know, SaltWise uses um, the, it's not really an analogy, but um, a little description that one teaspoon of salt can pollute five gallons of water, um, permanently pollute. Like I said, we can't pull that salt out. And so it pollutes it to a level that is toxic to aquatic organisms. And so if you imagine all the teaspoons of salt that you're putting into your water softener, for every teaspoon, that's five gallons of water. So we're seeing the impacts of that on our freshwater organisms in Wisconsin. There are over 40 water over 40 water bodies in Wisconsin that are known to be impaired Mm -hmm. due to high chloride concentrations. Impaired meaning? Impaired meaning the levels of salt are impacting the organisms that live there. Smaller fish. Sure. (laughs) Yeah. And it it, it tends to be actually like the tiny, tiny little like zooplankton. Okay. Um, So things that small fish eat. But imagine, like, if you're taking away the food source of the small fish, you're going to have less small fish. And if you have less small fish, you're going to have less big fish, right? Mm-hmm. And if you have less of those zooplankton, you can sometimes have more of the negative algae that can cause our lakes to turn green. Hmm. Okay. And, but, and there's ahead. also, right, so because of this, the EPA draw, they drew a line, right? And the EPA is really good at going after a point source like the wastewater treatment plant. And they can say, hey, your number is... And here it's, what, 395? Yes. 395 is a pretty low number when you think about the amount of salt that goes into that system. And the the softeners get you almost to 395. There's only a little bit of other salt that gets in there. So then why should you care? You should care because it's really, really, really expensive to remove chloride from wastewater at the volumes you're looking at. What is it, a five-time rate increase is what's been calculated? So mm-hmm. if you don't like your water bill now, think about paying times, five times as much, and you're going to end up with water that's so clean coming out of the wastewater treatment plant that if I was going to pay five times as much, I would 
just send it back to my house for drinking water because that's how clean it is. Okay. There, that made me care, that, that explanation between both of you. And then at the end of the day, I think people really care about their, their wallet. Mm-hmm. They, yeah, they, they tend to care about their wallet sometimes more than the environment, and we hope that's not the case. But when you put it into numbers like that, and it can change habit, and it can change what we're doing. But we should want to be better. Yeah. Well, so, it's, it's, but, it's easy. I mean, we are all animals, right? And we need to think first about survival. And for a lot of us, we need those dollars at the end of the day, right? We can't just spend an extra $100 on a lower salt water softener if the $100 could go towards food, right? And the environmental issues don't seem to be very immediate to us. And so, you know, we need to spend our money on taking care of those basic needs first. So what can we do? What can we do to reduce reduce the way that we use our salt from this perspective um, with water softeners. So Phil actually was telling me just before we got started today that he made a a fairly small change at his house that's pretty dramatically reduced the amount of salt he's using. Do you want to tell us about that, I always like your home projects, I I do a lot of home projects. We talk about them on the show quite a bit. Yeah. So when we moved into our house, right, we had a lot of really old appliances, I think our furnace and our water software were maybe both bought in the same year, which is probably sometime 1955. Sure. Uh, still chugging along. Uh, I'm not sure the water softener did anything at that point, <laughs> but it had a bucket that you could put salt in, and it had a timer set thing. So I would hear it go off every, every week at least. It was probably going off more. I didn't really understand the dials. I was like, whatever. It's a water softener. Right, right. And then as I learned more, I was like, oh, this thing is causing damage to the world, and I don't think it's doing any benefit to my house. So I did a little research and ended up buying a flow-based water softener, right? So it meters the amount of water that goes through it, and you have to do a little program, and I could find out how hard our water is from the water report from our water utility. Uh, ours is a 28, I think, which is pretty darn pretty high. Pretty high here in Madison, yeah. Okay, so I you, don't know. you plug that into, it's one of the numbers you need when you program your water softener. And then it says, all right, with the amount of resin we have here, I can strip off this many calcium and magnesium ions and run the flow rates. And so it only recharges after it's exhausted all of the ion grabbing capacity of the resin. Yeah, so that's really great. One kind of smaller change you can make, especially if you've got an older softener that needs to be um, replaced anyway, is to move from the old timer-based systems to the demand-based system. So kind of like Phil was sharing with the air filters before, a timer-based system would be like you saying, okay, every Sunday I'm going to empty out whatever gas I have in my gas tank and refill it and just pay for a new gas tank, regardless of if you've driven at all that week. Versus a demand-based system is where you say, okay, my tank's half full, I'm going to put in another half a tank. So we would never do that with our gas tank. You know, we would see that bill, right, um, at the gas station every week and be like, this is ridiculous. I don't need to pay for gas if I'm not using it. Right. But we don't really think about that with our water softeners. I mean, we just let them recharge and use more salt, um, sometimes regardless of need. So switching from timer-based to demand-based is really big. Okay. Another thing to do is to optimize or increase the efficiency of your demand-based system. So Phil mentioned one of the key components is knowing what is your local water hardness. And the other one is knowing how much water your household uses on average. So somebody like Phil might want to just kind of tackle that programming on his own or her (laughs) own. Um, But if you're not feeling super comfortable with your tech skills these days, you could also look up on the Madison Metropolitan Sewerage District site 
and you could get the name of a company that has certified um, contractors who could come into your house and who can do that work for you and help increase the efficiency of your water softener. So the sewage district is really promoting this program. It's part of their Salt Savers pilot program down in McFarland in the town of Dunn. Because like Phil said before, the district really is looking at the bottom line right now and seeing if they don't make some changes in reducing salt use, they're going to have to be making those upgrades to their system, which would increase rates by 500%, five times what our current sewer bills are. They do not want to do that, and so they're trying lots of creative ways to help reduce the amount of salt coming in on the front end so they can keep those numbers low. Sure. Uh, we are wrapping up here, and we're going to try to get all this information in 20 minutes for our listeners. But that, that's, that's, those are great things that we can use. Phil, real quick, where'd you get your softener? I purchased mine off the internet. <laughs> okay. I was surprised it would ship it to my house, but right. it showed up, I guess. You can ship anything these days. Yeah, okay. One last thing I want to say. Yeah. About, <laughs> the, another thing that we see as a trend is whole house, house softening, right? And that means that everything you do uses soft water. It's maybe not the best for your plants, right? There's sodium that remains in there, and that can change your soil a little bit. So you may want to have at least a spigot for outside that is not softened. Uh, some people don't like to drink softened water because of the taste, and it's a very low level of sodium, but some people don't like to have that additional sodium in their diet. And, you know, when I put mine in, I do not soften the water that I use to flush my toilet. Figure that that... Why that, is that, that necessary, yeah, that, right? <laughs> Are there some impacts? Yeah, you get a little scale in your toilet, and you might have to do a little bit of extra maintenance, but the amount of water that goes through the toilet, you know, I couldn't justify having that be softened. Okay. Well, these are all good things, all good things. Uh, Is it possible to go saltless? When I was doing some research, I saw some saltless water softeners. I guess, what is that in briefly? You yeah. have to delve right really <laughs> deep into it. I'll, but I'll keep it short here. Sure, sure. So, yeah, the saltless water softeners use different types of filters that don't require those same resin beads and the salt. They are technically considered water conditioners because they don't add the sodium. They just work to pull out the magnesium and the calcium. Um, and so some people feel like that's something that they want to do. Other people really want that soft sodium, you know, feel soapy lather feel to their water yep. and then they might be kind of dissatisfied yet but you can buy salt-free softeners in wisconsin how do we know uh that our water softener needs replacement what do we look for say i'm listening to this and I'm, I'm gonna go home i'm gonna check my water softener what do i look for and then where do i go other than the internet maybe <laughs> Or yeah. you could go out to the internet. So um, I would look at, like what Phil mentioned before, the idea of those timer-based systems. If you see a dial that talks about days and hours on it, that's a good sign that it's going to recharge every few days regardless of need. Another thing that you can do is go on to wisaltwise.com, wisconsinsaltwise.com, and you can run a self-diagnostic kind of like just a little survey monkey tool to look at your water softener, see some pictures of other softeners, get a sense of if yours is really a clunker and and time to um, be exchanged. I I used that the other day. I did, and it was very helpful. Yes, well, (laughs) hopefully, you know, people aren't, you know... uh, turned away or think that it's a lot of work to go on to the survey monkey or no it's just a couple minutes right hannah right right and what did you find out we got some work to do okay yes but but it's good (laughs) but it's really easy and (laughs) user-friendly 
<laughs> also, if you're using a lot of salt and you still have spots on your glasses and you notice uh, some soap scums, it might be a sign that your your softener has has failed in some way. And just throwing more salt at it is not the best approach, right? Now is the sign, and it's the time to upgrade that softener to something that's demand-based. Good point. Last question, tools. Tools people can use or to help them make some decisions about their water softener. What do we need to leave people with as we wrap up in our last question here? Yeah, I would send people to Wisconsin SaltWise's website. Um, we also link in the Madison area um, to some great resources here at the Sewerage District. They run that Salt Savers program that I told you about where we have, I believe it's over 100 certified softener and plumbing, plumber experts, experts yeah. that um, can take a look at your water softener and really give you some solid advice. Awesome. And well, our water utility website. You can find the wells that serve your house if you live in Madison, and you can read through uh, a nice, very scientific report. But inside of there is the magic number, which is the hardness of your water. Ah, very good. Good tips. Very good tips. And we will have more information on our engineering website in the near future as well. Um, thank you both for joining us. Thanks, Hannah. This was great. Great conversation. Thanks. Some definite like news you can use. Bring it home. Check your water softener. Go to wisaltwise.com or to the engineering division website in the future. Uh, thanks both so much. Okay. Thank you for joining us. Thank you for our listeners for downloading, sharing this podcast episode with anyone interested in water softeners. Let us know if you used any of this information in the podcast and if it worked or if it didn't. It's good to have some feedback either way. If you have an idea that you want us to discuss or dissect or share more information about on this podcast, send us a message on the City of Madison Engineering Facebook page because we're always here for you every day in engineering. Mm -hmm.